Welcome to TV Chinwag, where we take one part cheeky talk, two parts witty banter, and dump in a whole heaping spoonful of snark. It's TV Chinwag. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of TV Chinwag. I am your host, Ryan, and with me, as always, is the woman who doesn't know if she should use the word trans in transatlantic podcast, my co-host, Jules. <laughs> Um, we're not transatlantic. Sure we are. Well, if you go the long way, we're trans-Pacific. Right. <laughs> it doesn't sound quite as right. Oh, <laughs> you're on the West Coast. You are nowhere near the Atlantic, and I... Oh, but I if I was going to come there, I would come through Hong Kong. No, you wouldn't. You well, seen wouldn't. A map of the... Have you seen a map of the world recently? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, I, I had to get that out there. I, I, okay, I didn't look, I, know Trans-Pacific is, a, is, is so a specific. Yeah. <laughs> look, props props for the attempt, Ryan, but, you know, you're talking to someone who flies over there on a regular basis. So. On the reg. Yes, on, well. On the reg. About we'll to just leave, say on the reg. About, uh, on the reg, about to leave for my second trip to your part of the world very shortly. But your 30th trip to L.A.? Oh, something like that. No, it's my, I think it's my 10th. Ah, okay. So, um, But that, my intro was a callback to a tweet that you had earlier this week on Twitter. Yes, yes, because oh, okay. last week we talked about In the Flesh, and you, you um, very articulately spoke about the trans themes in, in the flesh. But then you tweeted something about it that you used the word incorrectly or something? Oh, I was going to ask you about it, but I, I thought I'd wait. Oh, okay. There's some... Uh, so, over the past couple of years, the abbreviation for trans has been often used with an asterisk after it to include people who may not just be not only transgender people, but also people who are not... Uh, who are outside the gender binary. So, people who may not identify as male or female or whatever. So the asterisk was in, introduced to sort of mean and everyone. And apparently now there's some um, differing opinions over whether the asterisk should be used or not, whether trans just means transgender, so drop the freaking asterisk, um, which someone pointed out to me and I was unaware of that conversation. Uh, it's not one of those things that I think has been resolved. It's still certainly used a lot in the um, trans community here in Australia. Um, but that's the beauty of Twitter. People bring things to your attention that you never knew before. That's true. I suppose that is true. That's <clears throat> the beauty of this podcast is bringing education to the people who may not <laughs> give a shit. Or does every, should everyone care how to use the word yeah, trans? I th well, I think, well, I think they should. I think you should. Um, understand how to use these things and what um, what the people who identify as trans like. Um, and there is no, uh, from my surveying of my trans friends, there is no consensus on that at the moment. Some were for asterisks, some were against. So um, I will bring any updates. <laughs> it sounds will... like fandom. <laughs> it, well, I can, I can tell you the trans and queer community are a lot more like fandom than people would ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's almost uh, like a community with no general leading. Funny that. <laughs> um, Can I ask you a question? Are there any trans shows on TV or, or shows that deal in a, 
a, a fiction way with trans characters. There are a lot more trans characters on TV. The only one I know of that possibly has a lead trans character, and I've forgotten the name of it, is coming up on Amazon Prime. Um, but there's certainly a lot more trans characters. I mean, we've seen um, Laverne Cox in um, Orange is the New Black, uh, Mrs. Hudson in the or Ms. Hudson in the um, American version of Sherlock, which is Elementary, is played oh. by a trans actress. I thought you were going to say the British one. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> say what? <laughs> Um, of course, we've had uh, Trans Clone on Orphan Black. Spoiler, because I don't think you're up to that point yet. Um, um, no, you're not up am to I? that. You, well, you're not up to the end of season two, are you? Shit, I thought it was pretty close. Anyways, yep. So there's uh, Tony who turns up and he's um, a trans man who's one of the clones, oh, okay. which is a fantastic episode. Um, and a show that we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks has a character who's not trans but would probably fall in the uh, amorphous or general category of genderqueer, and that's right. Roscoe, who's the son on House of Lies, who's an absolute... What a great character, right? Oh, wonderful, wonderful yeah. and such a surprise. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about him when we talk about House of Lies, which I'm binge-watching at the moment. And um, it, um, a bit like there's also a character who turns up a couple of times on Sons of Anarchy called uh, Venus Van Damme, who's played by Walter Goggins, ex The mm, Shield mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Justified. And he mm -hmm. plays a trans woman on Sons of Anarchy. And a bit like Roscoe and House of Lies, what I like about it is it's a trans character really dealt with really well in the environment you would least expect it to be. Because, you know, there's general audience and fandom for Sons of Anarchy are probably not people who care about the proper use of um, uh, words yes. like trans. <laughs> they're not, <clears throat> they're right, likely yes, to be, I think, without making a Delicate use. sensibilities of bulldozers. Exactly, and likely to be uh, transphobic. And so here you have this character, and the characters on the show as well would be. You, you have this character who's introduced. It's a wonderful portrait of uh, this this woman, she she's a sex worker. She's had works in porn, uh, but it, and 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 is dealt with really well. And in fact, in the most re her re most recent appearance, um, there's actually a strong um, empathy between Jax, who's the main character, and her, and actually gives him sort of a revelatory moment about his own upbringing and and family. Uh, anyway, she's really wonderful as well, and I like. Having the, I think the more you have these characters turn up where you least expect them, um, is is good because you know you don't want to always be preaching to the converted, uh, and probably the sort of people who watch Orphan Black, um, generally I would say are more likely to um, be already more accepting of that sort of gender mm -hmm. diversity. So um, mm -hmm. yes, I can't wait to talk about House of Lies, and that was a wonderful. Uh, Roscoe is a, a brilliant character. Uh, he has had one of those issues of child actors who he grows about three feet between mm -hmm. season yeah, one and season right. two. But he's wonderful. But he becomes better. Like his character gets better and better. Anyway, so I won't spoil it for you. No, no, got no. A long ways to go, but and we will talk about that soon. But with lots of other TV news. Um, Comic-Con's on at the moment. We've had the Television Critics uh, Association the previous week. So 
really you can hardly click on the internet anywhere without hearing news about what's coming up in the fall season of TV and what um, Marvel appeared to have movies planned out to sometime uh, in the next century. I think they're up to 18 movies planned. They're going to oh, be... Man. I just keep thinking they're going to be shitting themselves when everyone gets sick of superheroes. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're sort of betting Which on... Which is one... coming. It is well, coming, by the way. they're betting on one horse there. I've heard people saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think see. it was... Was it the Apes? It might have been the Apes movie where I heard people saying, like, this is the first movie in a long time that haven't had superheroes in it. Yes, and blockbuster, and what a what a um, a nice change it was, and I think a lot of people were reminded of the fact that you can do your epic summer blockbuster, and it doesn't have to have superheroes. Which is not to diss. I mean, I've I've enjoyed the Marvel franchise, and I think um, anyone who was naysaying is going to shut up pretty quickly when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out, um, because I think that's going to be the big summer hit. Um, Agreed. I, yeah. I saw a 17-minute trailer of it at IMAX recently, and um, if the movie was just so 17 minutes, I would be very happy. <laughs> so mm, very um, good. I, I think we'll be um, we superheroes are not done with yet. Although Guardians of the Galaxy is a bit adjacent to your traditional superhero movie, I think. Well, it's still a comic book movie, isn't it? It's a comic book movie, but and I think it's. I went on a big rant the other day about the fact that people do seem to forget that there's a lot to comic books other than the superhero franchises and other than DC and Marvel. And uh, I happen to be someone who's not read many of the you know traditional superhero comics, um, but I still read quite a few comics. So. Uh, there's a lot of stories out there that don't have capes and lycra. Capes and cows. Capes and cows and brooding characters whose parents were murdered and now they have to face off against their nemesis, blah, blah, blah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I saw a trailer yesterday for a documentary coming out about the Superman movie that they were going to do, um, the one that Kevin Smith was hired to write. Oh, yes. And that um, Nick Cage, Cage was Superman. Yes. And um, was directed by, uh, what's his name? Um, Danny Elfman's partner who does directing. <laughs> Come on, Johnny Depp always works with... Uh, oh, yes, Oh, no. I'm so stupid. Uh, uh, yeah, anyways, him. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Um, it looked really interesting because they have this test footage and stuff they did. It looks just oh. horrible. I, I, one thing I am, and, and I think one reason Guardians of the Galaxy will do well is that it's a, um, and so, well, based on what I've seen, it's a lot more joyful, happy superhero movie. It's fun, and it's not, its leads are not your usual angsty, dark. I think we, ever since they rebooted Batman with the Frank Miller version, I think we've got into a little bit of a rut. I mean, Avengers, certainly Marvel's been a bit on a different route, I think. It's more DC that's got sort of stuck in this dark, angsty place. And I think for a lot of people, um, and maybe it's more people of my generation who grew up on sort of the 60s and 70s versions of these um, characters, a little bit of fun would be good, really. Stop brooding. Yeah, let's just have fun with it and, and enjoy it, right? Well, you know, 
being a superhero would be pretty kick-ass. I mean, you oh. can fly. Fucking get over yourself. Right, yeah, get over your parents and just fly around the world and do cool shit. Well, particularly when you're a billionaire. Yeah. You're a billionaire yeah. who can fly. Fucking buy some therapy and some antidepressants or some good cocaine and um, get on with saving the world. And um, yes, sorry. I'm still dreading the, the Superman Batman movie. Anyways, oh, yeah. Let's not get into it. You know what else they're, they just announced at Comic Con, Jules? Is they're going to be making a movie called Skull Island, or based do, do, on Skull do. Island, which is the home of King Kong. You yes. remember it from all the old-timey movies. All more recent um, movies. Uh, yeah, that's true. The 2005 um, um, Peter Jackson movie took yeah. place in Skull Island as well. Um, so that should be, I think, interesting. I, I mean, they haven't say who's directing it or who's producing it or anything, but Legendary's doing it. Um, they're the ones that did Godzilla recently. Uh, they did the World of Warcraft. They've done tons of big stuff, so it's possible that it could be fucking awesome. Can you keep talking? They're gonna they're gonna spend a little bit more time on the island. In fact, the whole thing may take place on the island. So that'll be an interesting thing. Um, they haven't really announced who's going to be in it, although Guillermo del Toro has been mentioned and uh, Chris Hemsworth is is mentioned in the article. Whether they will be or not, I don't know, but uh, it could be really interesting. It'd be awesome to see uh, a really good King Kong movie, which we haven't seen. I didn't. I, Jules, were you a fan of the 2005 version of King Kong? No, uh, look, I've uh, I've not really seen a King Kong movie that's done it for me since the original Fay Ray one. <coughs> um, and maybe I'm just not a fan of King Kong. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I don't know. I find it all a bit sad. Mm -hmm. I think that's why. Uh, oh, yeah, that he has no one and that he's by himself. Well, yeah, and then and, and he's misunderstood and then they kill him. I mean, it's sort of a downer. Well, you don't have to spoil it. <laughs> Could we have a happy <laughs> King Kong movie? You never know. <laughs> Maybe we could cross over King Kong with Planet of the Apes. That would be well. That's not a very happy movie either. No, but imagine if the apes had King Kong on their side. <laughs> that would that be awesome. Would, that would be awesome. It'd and be maybe like that last episode of um, of uh, uh, Game of Thrones when they had the big giants. Yeah, the mountain. The oh no, right. the mountain. Uh, the uh, giants at the wall. The yes. big giants at yeah, the yes. wall. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. But you know what? I'd pay the fuck out of to see would be Godzilla versus King Kong. Well, that's what they have as a picture of this. Well, they have King Kong versus a T-Rex. So, a big dinosaur. I guess it won't be King Kong. Or, uh, won't be Godzilla. Godzilla. Dinosaurs, always on board with dinosaurs. Quite excited about the new Jurassic Park movie, I have to say. It, oh, really? Oh, good. <clears throat> I'd prefer dinosaurs out rampaging everywhere, but, you know, I'll take them in a park. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got a bit more uh, news. Look, a, a lot of the news from Comic-Con, of course, is the full season news. Um, but there's some other new series coming up and some interesting uh, tidbits. Uh, Sam Raimi is talking about doing an Evil Dead TV series. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Are you an Evil Dead fan, Ryan? Nope. Okay, then, you don't care. Um, of course, they did <clears throat> uh, a remake of the original Evil Dead uh, last year, year before. Um, yeah, 
wasn't a huge fan, I have to say. It, partly because, well, it's a remake and I've seen the original. So sometimes with these things, it's like, yes, but I know what happens. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, and particularly, I think, because in many ways, The Evil Dead was sort of a bit of a seminal horror movie. Um, it's hard now to watch a remake and feel, it feels well, I was going to say derivative, derivative of itself, obviously. Um, I don't know what would happen in an Evil Dead TV series. More horror on TV, though, always good. Um, Where would they put it? Do they have a network source? source haven't, haven't heard that. It was more okay. one of those oh, that's good. floating mm-hmm. um, comments. Um Robert Kirkman, he of the Walking Dead graphic novel series. Now, there's been, I think we touched on when we talked about the Walking Dead last episode, uh, the fact that they've talked about a spin-off series um, of the Walking Dead. They're also now, uh, Kirkman's had picked up a pilot from his uh, one of his other graphic novel series, which is Outcast, which is about a guy who keeps getting possessed by demons. Mm. So that's a lot of demons on TV right <clears throat> now. Yes, interesting how things go in cycles, mm. isn't it? You know, we've got mm-hmm. Constantine. Apparently, is mm. one of the big uh, buzzers at uh, Comic Con, um, which is, of course, all about demon possession. And uh, there was, yes, been huge buzz about that. So that starts in the fall. We'll have to wait and see what that's like. And Fargo season two. Um, I think show you and I both adored. Um, they had not announced. First of all, it took a long time for the renewal to be announced, and then we didn't know anything about what was going to happen in season two. We knew it was not going to be a continuation of the same story, but it's now been announced that season two will be set. I don't like to use the word prequel, but it sort of is. Um, it will feature young Lou Solverson, so Molly Solverson's father, who was played by Keith Carradine in mm. season one. It'll go back to his early years as a police officer in um, those square states in the middle of America. Now, I wonder if that will revolve around <coughs> that story that he told Billy Bob's character. Yes. I. Do you remember what that was about? No, do you? No, I remember he used a line like, you know, something horrible happened and there were bodies stacked two stories high or something. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and we also know that he got shot, obviously, at one mm-hmm. point because he limps and he retired from mm-hmm. the force. So, um, look, I'm... I'm they could have made it about anything, really. I'm so I thought Fargo was was one of my standout shows of the year, and um, am thrilled that it will be back uh, for another season. Very cool! I can't wait. And that's all the news I have. The million things happening at Comic Con. Get on the internet; you can't avoid it. <laughs> no, you can't avoid it. My Twitter line is just filled with so much, and I don't know if it's just the people I follow or if it's if it's me, but. It seems a lot of people talking about Supernatural. Um, that might be the people you follow. <laughs> might just be the people I follow? Okay. Um, I, I, have to, I, I might have a slightly, strangely enough, broader range on my uh, Twitter. So I've heard lots of, um, lots of stuff about the movies. So uh, today's a big day in Hall H. There was the World of Warcraft movie. Guillermo del Toro talking Crimson Peak, which is his new... Uh, Gothic horror movie starring Tom Hiddleston and Supernatural's own Jim Beaver. Mm. Um, 
uh, which f- finished filming in Canada not that long ago, a couple of months ago. Um, they were in Toronto, weren't they? Yes, they were on Remember the other, other, other side of the country. Um, the bad side. We call it the bad side. <laughs> Uh, interestingly, Jim Beaver blogged a lot about his experiences on set, and it was really, you know, fascinating. You've gone quiet again, Jules. You want to check your switch? Just to, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, people at home, Jules, Jules is having, um, um some morning issues. Um, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so was, he blogged a lot about his experiences as an actor, um, you know, what it's like filming a really big profile uh, movie with a, a very famous director and famous stars. And, um, yeah, that was fascinating. Apparently he and Tom Hiddleston bonded very well. So Who is Tom Hiddleston? Tom Hiddleston, well, you may or may not know, he was Loki. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he also starred recently with Tilda Swinton in Only Lovers Left Alive. Brilliant, brilliant um, uh, Jim Jarmusch uh, vampire movie, which I highly recommend. Mm. Interestingly, I actually was only watching or re-watching last night. The first time role I ever saw Tom Hiddleston in was Wallander, the English uh, version of the Swedish detective series in which he has terribly dyed blonde hair. Oh, okay. That's my life with Tom Hiddleston. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Who I do think is a wonderful, wonderful actor and very amusing. He's no Jim Beaver. <clears throat> He's no Jim Beaver, uh, who actually had to grow a very large beard for his role in uh, Crimson Peak. Uh, very cool. So I look forward to seeing that. Okay, then. And there was some talk of... Um, uh, future Pacific Rim and other movies with Guillermo. Um, but this isn't a show about movie. It's a, it's a show about television. Well, then let's I mean, get on to it. What should we talk about? I think we should talk about the Mad Men. So, uh, what do you fellas do? You're looking at the finest ad men in New York. Hell, <laughs> the world. <laughs> Advertising is based on one thing. Happiness. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you're doing, you are okay. A man like you, I'd follow into combat blindfolded. And I wouldn't be the first. Am I right, buddy? I'm living like there's no tomorrow because there isn't one. This place really runs on charm. I'm not gonna let a woman talk to me like this. I hear she's a nice girl. Eh, who wants that? Even if you do get my job, you'll never run this place. Wanna know why? Because no one will like you. Excuse me, is he expecting you? He's not expecting anything. I don't think I realized it until this moment. But it must be hard being a man. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Madman. Madman. Um, now, are you a Madman fan? Absolutely. I started watching when it first came out. Is that when you got yes. on board? Um, let's see. I might be lying. I can't remember now. I think I might have got on board after the first season had aired, I think. Okay. okay. Uh, but, but early on, yes. Um, Madman stars... Um, who? People. There are people who act <laughs> in it. It stars... Who have names. John... <laughs> Rhys 
research. I think that's why people listen to this podcast. It's for our assiduous research. It stars the um, John Hamm, a wonderful actor with movie star good looks, as Don Draper, who is the central figure in Mad Men, which is set in an advertising firm in the 1960s. And it... would you describe it as a period drama? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts, I think, in 1962 and sort of moves a year forward, a few skips in time, um, as as we go on. We're coming. Uh, we've just had the first half of. Uh, we talked recently about seasons being weirdly split, so we've had seven episodes of season seven of Mad Men this year, and then last. Seven episodes of season seven will air next year. So I don't know if that makes it season short season seven and eight or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, so it's been, um, yes, it's been going for six and a half seasons, let's say. Um, and it follows Don Draper being the central character and his family and mainly his colleagues. So it's it's a um, office-based drama, if you like, workplace drama. Um what do you like about Mad Men? Well, when I first started watching it, I loved the the 60s that they were in. Or they were they in the 50s? I think they were in the 50s, weren't they? It started... The late a, 50s when it started? No, it was actually 61, I think. But, um, was it? Yes. Mm, okay. But I think um, one of the things it does very well is its um, capturing of the time periods. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we look back on any decade, we tend to, you know generalize and stereotype the whole decade in a certain way and of course you know things don't suddenly begin and end and get reset every time the clock turn or the calendar turns over to a new decade so you know a lot of the the, the early mad men is still you know it's still in the 50s in terms right, it in, is. in yes, terms of absolutely. what we would think of as social mm-hmm. mores the politics of the time yeah. there's still very much a sense certainly for the first few seasons of a post-war America, you know, even though we're, because we're not even 10, you know, we're only, you know, 15 years on. 15 years, yeah. 15 years on from the end of World War II. So it's a very different part of the 60s than where we are now with the series, which is in the in the late 60s, which is starting to feel more like, I suppose, if you like, the, the 60s we generally look back on as being the... The hippie know, 60s <clears throat> and the... Yes, yes, Summer yeah. of Free Love and all that. And, and and are they still in the 60s or have they got... Are they no, in the 70s now? Yeah, no, they're still in the... I think they're in the 60s. They must be in 68. Well, they're in... They've got to be getting very close, right? They're in 60s. Seven because they had the moon landing in the last season. Oh, okay. They just watched that. Um, I I remember in the early seasons them being pissed off. You know the characters being pissed off that um JFK was running for office and he didn't wear a hat and yes. what kind of leader doesn't wear a hat and what a d bag he is essentially. <laughs> um, you know some very old fashioned things, literally old fashioned the drink and uh, old fashioned <laughs> yes. the values. Everybody um, drinks alcohol in their office and has a. A bar and a and a receptionist secretary, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> that's a, that's really something that's gone away. Having a a, a secretary, you know. Oh, and I I watched we... the episode the other day, and you know she'll pop in and say, "I was supposed to remind you of your eleven o'clock meeting." Oh, right. So it's like people who like a replacement for our Gmail calendars, essentially, is what the secretary was. Well, although those roles, I mean, 
certainly the whole and the whole typing pool thing, which um, you know we don't have anymore. Which, which certainly in my early years in the workforce, there were still typing pools existed. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We still have secretary. I mean, the secretarial roles generally called executive assistant these days. And they do sometimes have to take the place of your Gmail character because busy executives don't have time to click mice and and, and look at their calendar. Um, But the roles are very different. And one thing I like about the show is we see these times and everything, but it's through what's happening to these characters. So it's not setting – and it's like if you think about your own life – if people were in the future were coming back and representing today, we wouldn't all be sitting around all the time talking about technological developments or uh, politics or whatever. Uh, it, it is filtered. It's just part of our life. It's part of our life and it's filtered. We might be talking about it, but it'll be filtered through, oh, we're doing a podcast where we happen to be talking about these things. Um, Tra- through the transatlantic. Yeah. Yes. And... Um, I think that's what's interesting. So it'll be usually each season there's some big event, whether it's the, the moon landing or an assassination, as there were a number of them, both the Kennedys and, and Martin Luther King in the in the 60s, the civil rights movements. And often they're outside the door or they're just one evening you're watching on TV. The things that mainly occupy these people are their jobs and their families and and drinking and smoking. And drinking and smoking and trying to, like all of us do, work out how to get through life. Um, and, yeah, how to hide affairs from your wife. <laughs> Some things never change. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that about it. I like the fact that uh, we get it. And, and we see it as the characters are affected by these things. Uh, you know, certainly by the more recent series, there's actually African-American secretaries um in, in the right. business where they weren't weren't in the in the beginning mind you there's still you know the the level of racism through the roof like you know we can't have a an african-american secretary at the front desk because they can't be the right. first person people see uh, there's right. a running gag about how uh the various executives can never tell any of the african-american secretaries apart and call, mm. them, call them by each other's names um but that which is in a way is because uh, so it's reflecting those attitudes of the time the civil rights movement if you like happens somewhere else it it impacts on the business in certain ways but that's how we hear it because these are basically all you know wealthy white guys who you know that the civil rights movement is is a long way from their day-to-day life um right. And we also see it in the fashion. What do you think of that? Do you want to wear a hat to work, Ryan? Um, I think they look fantastic. I really love it. I love it. I think they all look great. I I wish we could dress like that today. (laughs) (laughs) Do you believe me? Possibly not. I'm 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 struggling to. It's good for other people. I don't know. I I I wouldn't (laughs) want it myself. But I mean, it is great. And visually, the show is just beautiful. I mean, they captured the time period. And you'll see little set pieces. You'll see a couch that you were like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. I forgot yes. that we used to have those. Or, you know, one of those really three-level coffee tables or, oh, you know, yeah. some weird um, Art Deco-style furniture from the 60s. And you're like, oh, my God, I forgot all about those. Um, or even clocks on the wall that still had a cord that would go down and plug into the wall. Or, 
you know, little things that you don't think about until you, you see them and they strike a weird chord from something from your childhood or from your, your youth. Um, I like that. Um, the characters are all flawed. They're all damaged characters. There's no good one in the bunch, I don't think. Um, oh, except for Christina Hendrick. She's <laughs> John! Am I right? John! <laughs> I know that there's something you and I can both agree on. It's John! John. Um, oh, and all her assets. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I had oh. to be really shallow there, but I mean, Christina Hendricks. <laughs> boobs, boobs. Boobs. You don't, um, you don't get hotter no. anywhere than the amazing Christina Hendricks. And, and in, in a way, f- for me, anyway, she certainly is the hero. Well, the female characters particularly are the heroes of the piece in that, you know, Joan starts as a secretary and has risen to be a partner, and it's certainly not been, you know... Well, a, she didn't get there through her... Well, it's been a difficult path without giving any mm-hmm. spoilers away. Um, and, you know, she's had to, you know, do some horrendous things to get there. But at the same time, you know, and, and that struggle is just, you know, it's almost incomprehensible to me now, but... Um, the fact that she has done so and what she's she's achieved, um, and she's a single mother and she got rid of her asshole husband, um, is uh, but she's just such a wonderful, yeah, she's a wonderful character as well. Um, and there's also Peggy Olson who starts again, starts as a secretary and moves up for copywriter and 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 moves to be, I'm not quite sure what the the title is now. Uh, um, uh, creative yeah, creative director probably and she's um and really she's what the show is about or 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 she's she's the analog for time passing and progression in society because when we start she's held down and she blossoms throughout the show i mean i can only imagine that when it ends it's her succeeding or succeeding and and getting success whatever that is mm. um uh, Don Draper has slowly just gone downhill. I think as time has gone on, I don't know. And to be honest, I haven't watched this season. And oh, I tried okay. watching an episode the other day because I know we were going to do this, and I couldn't even get through the episode. Oh. I, I'm I'm bored by it now, and I don't want to take away from it because it's really a groundbreaking, interesting, compelling show. But I don't really care what happens anymore. I've moved on. Well, again, we did. We've, we've talked about this, haven't we? Where you can enjoy a show yeah. for you know maybe four or five seasons, and then after that, it needs to perhaps start pulling new things out of the hat. Uh, it's uh, look, I'm I'm still enjoying it. I, I would have similar criticisms to some other people have had about some of the uh, relationship. It became a little less focused, I think, in in more recent times. Um, and that is to do with the longevity of a show. You can have a lot stronger trajectory for your characters when you have a shorter season, a shorter life, if you like. But, yes, so Don Draper is a central character who's um, – if he's – he is a person who's living a lie. Um, he's He's come from extremely dire and tragic – childhood he takes on literally takes on someone else's identity and that's really it's that identity that he has as he becomes successful and becomes 
well-known and well-regarded uh, and certainly in the early seasons when we meet him, he's a bit of a, you know, the wunderkind of, of advertising and he's the man who's really taking the um, taking his, his the company he's with and, and advertising, you know, into a more modern age. Um, he's extremely perceptive about what motivates people and entirely unperceptive about himself and the people he's in relationships with. Yeah, so it's yeah. that lovely dichotomy where he can, um, you know, pick up on uh, the, the things that will, you know, sell products because they, uh, he, you know, he, his uh, talent, if you like, is connecting with the emotion that will move us to buy something or to connect with a product, yet... Can't connect with his family or can't connect no. with his loved ones or his secretary or anyone <laughs> other than sexually. Um, and even then, I don't think Don has a lot of happy sex, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think he's much of a... yeah. And, oh, you would have missed the the groundbreaking episode in the current season where he turns down a threesome or he nearly turns down a threesome with his wife and a hot friend of hers. It's like, Don, what's happened to you? Um, (laughs) But uh, so, you know, the story very much revolves around his um, struggle with himself because he, he has, is on the one hand, this, this sort of person who's held in high esteem professionally, yet he has this train wreck of a personal life and, this big secret, and these things all start to, to to unravel, but in a very repressed white 1960s way. So it's not a show of big uh, cliffhangers or dun-dun-dun moments. Things are, but there are a few. There are a few. But... There are some, some definite mystery where you're like, what the? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yes. Um, some really kind of disturbing stuff uh, as well happens. Um, it's not, I mean, it feels like it's become a soap opera, but it hasn't always been a soap opera. Um, I wonder or if no. part of that is because after you're watching for a while, the sort of, um, the, the, I don't want to say, I mean, I'll say novelty, and I mean novelty in a way of something being new, um, of this exploration of the times and the fashions and the, furniture and the art and all that we get used to that so there's and we get used to uh you know we get to know the characters so we're less we we are less engaged each week with going oh look what they were wearing in 1964 and so the the drama of the relationships does become more central uh as time goes on i certainly think they've in the last season i mean i don't know if you've seen the end of season six really ended with don at the the bottom of 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 where he could get to and season yes, seven yeah. has been about where he goes forward from there um hasn't he done that already though like no this was in a very different way i mean he really like basically is kicked out of the firm and you know has... yeah but didn't he didn't that happen before and he had to go and start over Mm, not quite. A, I mean, he really unravels at the end of season six as far as sort mm. of really losing it in front of clients and the very thing that's defined him as successful being his ad acumen is is mm-hmm. called into question. So he's no longer mm. the wunderkind, the golden child. Uh, and we see that in that Peggy, his uh, protege, ends up becoming his boss. Um, uh. And... You know, there are other other people in the firm who were previously, you know, uh, 
certainly can, would have been considered far below him uh, rise up, you know, as things like the media section becomes uh, uh, bigger, as TV becomes bigger. So there's uh, is it Harry Crane. Which was interesting to see when Harry, Harry was given the television section back in season one, and it was kind of like a, a slough off, like, a, yeah, whatever, just go and deal yes. with this TV thing and just get the heck out of our hair while we do real work. Yes, and that's been, again, a, a subtle thing that's developed over the seasons as, obviously, uh, placing ads on TV has become almost there and media buy has, by season seven, is almost seen as... You don't need the creative. You just need someone who can work out what spots to buy on TV. You know, any ad will do type of attitude. Um, so that's, you know, again, that has been fascinating. And look, if you love pop culture like I do, and and it, one thing it does is often look into the ad campaigns, real ad campaigns around real products. And obviously there's there's fiction in this, but how they may have started. So iconic mm-hmm. iconic products that are now, you know, whether they're a car or cigarettes or luggage or pantyhose or how an ad campaign for that may have started. And I, I love that. I love the psychology they they use as well as the creative. And, and that's a whole part of the show you can in, enjoy um, in, in and of itself. I would watch <laughs> a show that was just a different ad campaign each week. No. Yeah. Well, you never know. If it was done right. If it was done right. Actually, we do have a, a show here in Australia, which is, it's not a, a not a scripted drama. It's a, uh, what do you, it's not a reality show. What do you call those shows that are real, but they're not reality shows? Um, uh, anyway, it's, a, it's a, like a panel discussion show around advertising. And it, it's oh. um, called, for obscure reasons, called um, The Gruen Transfer. And it, um takes ads and it has people from the ad industry critiquing the psychology and the politics behind ads and it's fascinating in and then each week they get in two ad agencies to do an impossible pitch so they'll give them something like sell the public whale meat or um you know do an ad campaign for why people shouldn't come to australia as tourists or whatever that you know (laughs) um so Anyway, and I love it. Uh, I think it's because oh. it, I think advertising is so pervasive in our life in so many ways that we almost are blind to its many impacts. But you can't walk out your front door or, you know, click on the internet without it being in your face that we yeah. we forget yeah. uh, that we're being, you know, continually manipulated. And now I sound like I should have a tin hat on and I'm a conspiracy theorist. But no, that's exactly <laughs> what we are, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I always would wish I would have went into advertising. Do you? Been the next Don Draper. Can you talk for a minute? I have to get my dog. Yes. Thank you. Um, also in the show is some really wonderful characters that you're going to get to know. And I think has launched some really big careers. I mean, John Hamm has been around for a while, but I don't think a lot of people knew him before this. Uh, Elizabeth Moth is, Moss is doing very well for herself. Uh, but people like Rich Summer, whom... Um, you know, have been sort of on the fringes, getting some really great exposure and been in almost every single episode. Um, my favorite character is uh, Don's partner, Roger Sterling, who's played by John Slattery. And Jules, what do you think of uh, Roger Sterling? 
Oh, I am Roger Sterling. Don't you know that? <laughs> I'm going to talk about two men this week who are my spirit animals, and Roger Sterling is one of them. And I suppose if you step back, all, all these characters are they're going through their lives and through a time of, of quite significant... I suppose it's... I know maybe every time in history is a time of significant social change, but maybe the 60s seem more dramatic, certainly from this point in history, and each of them are finding their way through it. And so Roger starts out pretty much as your, you know, 50s man in a, in a hat, although he has more quippy bon mots than most people. Um, and, but he's the first one who gets sort of the modern art in, or the, you know, 60s modern art in his office. And he's the one who really, uh, you know, He's out there dropping acid. He's being psycho. He's got he's got what the kids call swagger. Swag is that what the kids are calling? Swag, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> swag. Um, and you know he's the one who tries psychoanalysis, dropping acid, sleeping mm. with lots of, or not sleeping, just sleeping with lots of people, which he was doing in the fifties, presumably as well. But also trying open relationships. Um, and he's he's um, both an endearing and infuriating man. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I want to be him, but I wouldn't want to know him. I don't think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. My favorite. He's by far my favorite character. Um, and he has, uh, which is why I'd like you to, if you love Roger, to watch season six because season seven, the first half, because he ends up in a place you would never expected. Uh, him to be at the big, you know, at the end of season six, season beginning of season seven, he then moves into a, a really different role, and it's um sort of gratifying to see. Um, mm, interesting. And I just saw the in the first episode, his daughter calls and wants to meet for for dinner, or lunch, or something. Yes, uh, he has uh, struggles with his relationship with her because she's actually a lot like him, and I don't think he likes. That it's one thing to be like that yourself, and another thing to see your daughter, um, you know, uh, living in a commune, and uh, you know, in some ways, he's he's straddling two worlds. He's he's on one hand sort of rejecting the the old world and embracing the new, but he's got a foot in both camps. He is still a man in a suit working in an ad agency. And womanizing, right? And and womanizing, though, as compared compared to John, there's something more. Uh, there's something about Roger's relationship with everyone, even though he's pretty fucked up. Like you can tell that even his ex-wife and that there's still a. Um, he's not an asshole to people in the way that Don is, because I think Roger, right. no, no. If he doesn't know himself, he's always trying to find himself. And I think there's an openness there that um, is in, both intriguing, but there's a curiosity about things that um, let other people connect with him. And so even if right. he's not, hasn't got the, you know, relationships fail in that, um, there's a loyalty to him. And I think, yeah, an, an openness. The difference with Don as a character is he's so closed off, both you know from himself that it makes uh, it impossible for people to connect with him because they can only connect with you know Don Draper, the well-dressed, charismatic image, and not a 
person and that's what the people in his life are both his wife's um struggle with uh and as well as his absolutely adorable daughter sally draper who i mm-hmm. <laughs> um who i also probably identify with far too much mm-hmm. um um Interesting. I mean, and we know why. I mean, not to spoil anything, but we know why he's sort of like that. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he, there's certainly a good reason given for uh, why Don is so closed off. And I suppose that's, you know, it's what a lot of us face. You've got, sh- you know, shit in your life that's made you the way you are. But if you recognize, you know, how can you move through that or, or beyond that? And, and you know, that's the difficult part. Oh, I mean, also, as a viewer, you're not sure always whether Don wants to. Um, there's a... Yeah, it, that, that's part of his difficulty is what does Don Draper want? Um, and I don't think he knows because he doesn't know himself well enough. And that's sort of where we find him, I think, late season six in, into season seven. He's often had those moments of introspection. Uh, he goes swimming for a while, remember, and keeps a diary. That was sort of... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. And I don't think helped him very much. But, um, yeah, he he's, he's not a bad person. But he's not always, he's certainly not, a, I don't think he's a nice person. Does that make sense? Speaking of not nice persons, should we move on to our next show? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Oh, I that's was, mean. That was a mean That segue. was mean, and I'm going to tweet that to Mark <laughs> Maron. Um, I did want to say, I was interesting when I was still, we were talking about Mad Men and Marin. Um, that there's probably more than a few parallels between Don Draper and, and Mark Marin in a way. Hmm, interesting. Why don't you- Well, let's talk about Marin. I'm Marin. That's my last name, but I'm Mark Marin. I live here alone with Monkey, Boomer, and LaFonda. They're cats. I had a wife, two actually. They're not dead. Well, they're dead to me. Well, actually, I'm dead to one. The other one I could probably get back. Why are you telling me this? Twice divorced, forty-eight year old. Who drives a Camry? Hey, hey, don't don't knock the Camry. It's always on the uh, the list of most stolen cars. They're very sought after. You're you're too angry. Dennis Leary's gonna tell me I have an anger problem. Mark Marin is sad and draining with his soul-sucking jokes. What do you need to be liked by everyone? No. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> You guys are wearing costumes, and I'm the idiot. That guy's got elf ears on. The wrong color elf ears. Racist. Wait a minute. Marin. New series. Starts Friday, May 3rd at 10. How's your self-esteem? It's okay. I mean, I hate myself. IFC. Always on, slightly off. Why don't you start us off with Marin, given you're the Marin fanboy? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't call myself that. In fact, I don't know... I don't know how much I actually like Mark Maron, to be quite honest with you. But you do listen I to like, his podcast as well as No, not as much. I, I, I did for a while, oh, okay. and then I stopped just because the self, self-loathing self is gets to a point where I just am not interested in hearing it. So, um, wh- Mark Maron is a stand-up comedian, American stand-up comedian, who's been around for eons. Uh, I mean, he was starting out back in, back in the day where, um, you know, you had well, people that are long since dead uh, were sort of the going concern um he sort of started coming up sort of in the fringes always an angry comic um pissed off about everything about being dealt a shitty hand or you know why he he wasn't more successful and things like that um and 
apparently, and this is the lore in the comedy industry, that he was a real fucking asshole to a lot of people. Um, treated them like garbage, you know, couldn't actually be happy for anyone else. Um, you know, people would do well, and he'd be like, well, why are you doing so well, and I'm doing shitty, and, you know, I should have that because I'm twice the comic you are, and this sort of thing, so. Um, apparently this is how he was for quite a while, and didn't make a lot of friends doing it. Uh, he started a podcast now, oh god, six years ago, um, where he would interview people in his garage and have really good conversations with them. He found that whether this is through therapy or, or however, that by interviewing people and trying to get out what makes them tick, it sort of helped him in his own journeys. And a lot of his podcasts are uh, basically his struggles on how to get through life and how to succeed and, and, uh, and then interviewing other people. So those podcasts became extremely popular. And, I mean, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you probably heard of the WTF <laughs> podcast, I would assume. Um, I think it's one of the top 10 podcasts in the world, actually. Uh, and he gets a lot of really interesting information out of people who you wouldn't necessarily expect it. So it is definitely worth a listen. And, and if you like this podcast, you'd probably like that one because he, uh, he talks about things that, you know, a lot of people that we've reviewed in, in our shows and stuff like this. He got a deal to do a television show a few years ago on the FX network. FX? I think it's FX, yeah. isn't it? Uh, on the FX network. And it was in 2013 that he brought it, so it's only a couple seasons old. And basically, it's about him and his life and him doing his podcast in the garage and then dealing with his ex-girlfriends or friends or friends of friends and getting into some sitcom-y kind of situations. Um, I think we're just finishing the second season right now which has been fantastic in my opinion, much better than the first. Um, and it's worth a shot. You know, if you like people that are broken and struggling and trying to make a go of it, it's, it's funny. And there's, there's some, some good comedy in there. And I didn't think it's too over the top or too, you know, do anything. It, it's a, uh, it's pretty decent show. Jules, what do you think? It was, look, uh, Given that I just sort of binged watched Louie, which we talked about a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I uh, and I hadn't listened to um, Marin's podcast, so I had certainly heard of him. Um, I, I sort of took a deep breath and thought, "Oh God, do I want to watch another show about some angsty middle-aged man um, being angsty?" Um, <laughs> and uh, this yeah. was a surprise, like for me, and oh. I can't quite put my finger on um it's on ifc sorry not fx oh, ifc it's on the internet yeah. it's on netflix sorry, yeah, it's right <laughs> that's where i'm watching it anyway um there's something talking about who's my spirit animal there's something i really connect with 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 mark Marin and Again, I didn't know his whole history, and um, you certainly get a s- sense. And and I suppose similar to Louis, this is show is a, you know, it's a fictionalized version of his life. So, sure. uh, from what I gather about both of them, you know, as we saw with Louis, there were things that played out in the TV show that were. Uh, parallel or actual versions of, you know, th- particularly the interactions with other comics. I think that um, uh, they have played out on their their shows but there's something um yeah there's something about Marin and I think I I did pin down that some of it's jealousy because 
I'm the same age as him. He gets mm. a lot more sex with a lot more attractive women than I do. Uh, on his show. <laughs> on his show, <laughs> which, of course, I hope, I'm hoping is wish fulfillment because he doesn't get it right. in real life. Because, hang on, <laughs> I've got two damn podcasts. If anyone's getting pussy, it should be me. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Jules, you, you just cut yourself off again. No one's check the switch. No one's banging at my garage door as I'm reporting recording this podcast. Wanting a date with me. Um or maybe they are. They're banging on my front door to come and take the dog for a walk. It's about as exciting as it gets here. Um there's something, but I can see certainly the persona on the TV show. You can see what's slightly what's attractive about him. Although I still don't know why you'd want to date him. Um, and you know, he lives at home with his. He lives in a house with, on his own with, well, on his own for some of the time, uh, with with his cats. Um, and his is it his nephew who's his sort of assistant? No, it's just that? some dude that showed up. I think. <laughs> Um, who who's uh, who he abuses a lot of the time. Um, it's set in LA, which I really like. Being as fond of LA as I am, um, I I always value shows that are that are set in LA. Um, it's another reason I liked House of Lies. Um, so it you'll love episodes then. <laughs> um, that's coming up. We'll be talking about soon. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is a strange mix. It's certainly more traditional in structure than Louis is. So Louis's almost like his yeah. stand-up realised yeah. as a show, whereas Marin... And, and breaking all the rules, not doing anything that you're supposed to do on a TV yeah, show. Yeah, Marin is a lot yeah. more traditional in structure. It's a it's like a sitcom each week. Some you know It's usually top and tailed with Marin Faux doing his podcast um, about some issue or, you know, something that's happened to him. Then we see it played out and it's um, told that way. And um, so, yeah, more traditional in structure. I like it. I'm, 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 and as I said, I'm sort of curious as to why I like it. Um, there is something about him. It's funny. Um, the very first episode, which is the first episode I watched, is um, him going after a guy who's been trolling on online. And I adore that episode. Right, right. Because <laughs> it all sort of um, backfires on him. Uh, and, he, yeah, it's... Um, funny, but it's also, uh, you know, hits on that thing that is true. If you have any presence online, you do, uh, to a greater or lesser extent, will attract people who like to criticise and diss you just for the fun of it. Um, yeah. And there are those parts. I mean, I, mean, I do, his, his struggle to be, I suppose, recognised for what he's doing um, and valued for that. Um, and he's actually like the character he 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 is on that show is sort of almost Homer Simpson esque endearing in that he's a sort of a loser, but you do want to give him a cut, 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 cup of tea and talk to him about his cats. Right, his cats. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's funny because he's. I mean, back in the day, he was a real punk kind of guy, right? A real angry, mm-hmm. pissed off young person. And now to see him with his cardigans and his cats and his house and softening, I think, is, is very juxtaposed and, I think, adorable. Um, I mean, he's 
well, he's in his fifties, right? Yeah, he's, I 50s. think he's fifty when when the show starts. Um, did you see the last episode? No, I haven't. Uh, it's great. It's got um, a comedian named um, um, Joey Coco Diaz in it, and Joey Diaz I know from the Joe Joe Rogan podcast, and he is this big, huge, fat Cuban guy, and he's absolutely hilarious. He's much funnier than actually on the show. On the show, he's funny, but in real life, he's over the top, hilarious, just loud, obnoxious guy, and uh, he's actually guest starring. Um. And uh, sorry, actually, it's actually the episode before that. Mark goes to this quote unquote record store and uh, is trying to buy this vinyl. And uh, uh, guest starring on that are um, um, uh, the Nerdist podcast buddies, the guys that are on the Nerdist podcast as well, um, Jonah, Jonah Ray oh, yes. and, um, and the other guy. And uh, they're the record store owners. And uh, they totally give him a hard time about the music that he's picking. And, <laughs> Uh, you know, it sort of shows where Marin came from with the style of music and stuff like that. So uh, it's very cute in that regard. But um, but very, I mean, I, I think it's a funny show. I, I, I do get a kick out of it, and I haven't stopped watching. It's only a half hour, so it's really easy to take in. And I, I think it's I think it's pretty cute. I, I think it's just as good as anything else on TV, that's for sure. Yeah, and look, you and I have talked about how we're, we're not a fan of the, the traditional sitcom. And I think the fact is there are other funny shows out there that that are doing something quite different um and this is not your you know it's just nice to to see something different in style and maybe i'm just i'm just thinking now you know maybe there is something i definitely think about seeing this person later in their career um and as you said having moved from the you know the angry young man out there to you know storm the world he's he is in a different place and certainly his character and there's some parallels here with later season don draper to go back to mad men he is trying to look at himself. This is the character in the show, uh, with his, you know, his. Once he got two ex-wives and uh, various failed relationships, and there's a, the relationship with his father, which is just hilarious uh, and mm-hmm. and excruciating at the same time. But he is someone who's trying to look at how can I do, how can I be a better person. So I think again the f- the fact that he's engaging in that. It wouldn't be hard for this to swerve over into his just an asshole territory, but there's enough vulnerability and uh, recognition of his own assholeness <laughs> that um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that makes him bearable. Because I think it would be easy for this to be a show celebrating dysfunction and uh, you know, sort of go, oh, you know, gee, I've been hard done by and the world should go fuck itself but because it has that side of this actually isn't a happy place to be uh, and I think that's a bit of what Louis captures as well that uh, um, you know he's not someone who's saying uh, you know he's not someone who's celebrating how fucked his life is again right. it's always hard talking about these shows when they're actually sort of people playing fictionalised versions of themselves. So yes, exactly. I am talking yeah. about the fictionalised version. I know nothing about Mark Maron's real life, except I really hope he's getting less sex with hot women than I am. Uh, is that possible, Jules? <laughs> I mean, you're pulling all the time, aren't you? 
Well, it's hard in between my podcast responsibilities to f- right, to fit yeah. in the level of womanising I'm used to. You know what? Just keep it in between, okay? We don't need to hear it. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, is there a third season of Marin coming? There is, I believe so. I haven't heard officially. Um, I can only imagine there is. I, I don't know why they wouldn't renew it. It's been successful and they've had a good time. Um, I'll just quickly do a, a check here, but would you like there to be? Yes, I would. And I, I think um, I want there to be, I think there needs to be like a super crossover show of all these guys, uh, comedians. Um, they need. Well, now Mark was just on the last episode of Louie. Yes. So, Did you see that? Yeah. And he was asking how Louis got his show or something, yes, or yeah. that Marin had just got a show, and Louis was being uh, jealous of, of, of Marin. Uh, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so I, that would be that would be good. And uh, again, as everyone knows by now, if you've listened to the podcast more than once, I'm always fascinated with the the different forms of broadcasting and that we have these days. And of course, podcasts are huge uh, and have been, you know, really for the last five years have had. I suppose in in a way have taken over from radio shows. A, a play. Well, it's funny that you say that. Have you seen that episode of Marin, mm. where he's he's approached by um, a producer at a radio station to come and do a radio show there because he's been so successful, and he's like, "No, man, I don't want to do that. I I have my podcast. I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want." And the guy's like, "Well, think about it." So he flips through the radio and he starts listening to this old radio dj yes. who's putting on a show and talking and and he's doing the radio dj's doing all these voices and calling and stuff so mark goes and visits him and it's a, a old guy in this like 60s that's a dj and so mark makes friends with him and goes to his house and it turns out that the guy just got fired and they <laughs> closed down the radio station and he's meeting with three other like morning drive time djs sort of thing and they're they're just sort of bullshitting about the career and the industry and stuff. It's actually oh, it must, really compelling yeah. to hear them talk about it, right? And uh, and uh, Mark sort of befriends this guy and tries to get him a, a job, tries to get him into doing a podcast, but he's not interested. And it's quite oh, it's no, a really we'll, good episode. Yeah, it's worth watching. Um, because I'm someone who grew up, uh, well, and certainly all my life, have listened to lots of radio and, and people talking on radio. And, you know, that is something that's been on the decline in the last, you know, decade or two is is shows that feature DJs doing more than prank calls and topping and tailing right. pop songs. Um, uh-huh. There is still, certainly where I live, there is still a couple of, um, you know, a few shows that actually do do more than that. There's There's a... A show called The Film Buffs Forecast, which has been going for about twenty-five years, which is an amazing movie movie uh, review and movie industry show. But really, the rise of the podcast has taken over that gap, if you like, of those of us who like to listen to, um, you know, people people talking about stuff we're interested in, as we are now doing. I hope. Um, right. uh, and I know you're a big fan of of listening to podcasts, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I listen to not as much as I used to, but a couple of years ago I was listening to 20 a week um, where I could have my headphones in literally all day long and just listen to podcasts. Um, now I still have, a you know, a six or seven that I listen to on a weekly basis. So what sort of... Including this one. <laughs> what sort of... Uh, so do you mainly listen to comedy podcasts or particular... Yeah, mostly um, I have a couple science podcasts that I listen to, um, the CBC podcasts. 
that I really like, which is uh, Quirks and Quarks is a science-based uh, information show. Um, and then the usuals. I, I listen to the, the bigger ones like uh, the Smodcast. And, yep. Um, which you, you, know, which you the, saw uh, live recently, I believe. It did, just quite recently, and in, it was hilarious Just bri- in Vancouver. Just bri- briefly tell people about Smodcast, because that must be one of the biggest in the world as well, I think. I would think so. Smodcast is Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier that started, I mean, what are they at? They're over 300 episodes now, yeah. um, which they've done one a week, so you can imagine. Um, and they just get together and just laugh about stuff. It's always funny. Um, Comedy Bang Bang is hilarious. Yes. I just listened to their 300th podcast. It had me in stitches for an hour. I mean, <laughs> I, I highly recommend. Co- so funny. Comedy Bang Bang is a, a recent discovery, but it's excellent. The TV show, I don't know, but the the, the podcast is really funny, really, really, and I've seen that live too, and it was hilarious. Um, what else do I listen to? Uh, oh, my the local one. Stop podcasting yourself with David Graham is awesome. Um, uh, so many. Oh, um, one of my favorites right now is the Advice Podcast with Jake and Amir. Oh yes, called uh, If I Were You, and those guys are those guys are destined to be huge stars one day. They just don't know it yet. Um, yeah, so there's lots, and I, I always keep them uh, keep them going. Ten minute podcast is hilarious with Will Sasso and Crystalia and Brian Callen. Those three guys together are hilarious, and uh, their podcast is only ten minutes, so you know what you're getting into. 10 minutes how do they do it well it's it's actually quite funny because they'll be in the middle of an argument and it'll just come to an end <laughs> I, I i should mention the other podcast i do started off as a half hour podcast and i don't think we've ever been under a half hour the last two podcasts have been two hours so <laughs> i do listen to that podcast as well women of letters um thank you but yes it's uh I, how you do 10 minutes would be um that would that would take some doing, I think. But yeah, I think it's yeah. uh, again, it's a, a different, new and different form of podcasting. I suppose the the other show I listen to, which again I suppose is based more on the almost radio serial style, is Welcome to Night Vale, which has um, become hugely popular. It's been going for about three years now, which is a um, it's set as if the the announcer Cecil is on the local radio station in this this town somewhere in the middle of America called Nightvale, a very surreal, almost twin Twin Peaks ish type town where strange things happen. Uh, highly highly recommend it if you like anything bizarre and surreal. It's uh, quite addictive and uh, big online uh, fandom and and presence. But yes, really picking up on the that idea of a, a radio drama, if you like. Interesting. Um, and somehow we ended up here from talking about Mark Maron. But yes, do do well, give podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> but there, there is so much more of a crossover now. And, and some of the people you've already mentioned in the podcast you listen to have ended up on TV shows. Uh, uh, well, Smodcast you- had an episode at 250 where they, they read this funny article about a guy wanting a walrus to move in with them. Um, it, it was the entire episode where they laughed and joked about it. Kevin Smith just made a fucking movie based on the podcast. <laughs> and it's coming out this summer, and they just debuted the trailer at Comic-Con. It's called Tusk, and it's a horror movie. All based on a podcast. And if actually, if you go to tuskthemovie.com, there's a link to the original podcast where they start talking wow. about it. 
the whole premise to oh, it. Wow. And you'll see some of that stuff in the trailer. Oh, God. I'm so... I'm so that's pretty cool. That is. And I love... Um, you know, I think particularly for comedy, uh, podcasts have been, you know, a boon. Uh, it's really hard as a comedian uh, and as someone who's done, who's dipped my toe in that water, uh, you know, to get out there, to get an audience and, and podcasts just take you to a whole new stratosphere. And I think, we've, you know, we've seen that with uh, this crossover between, you know, podcasts and, and television and web series. So, um it's all good because there's some hilarious people you would never have got to to hear of unless you got to see them at your local comedy room um, that are, we're getting to see on yeah on TV and uh, other places now. So, uh, and if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. And if you like it, please leave us a rating and a review. Um, they really help promote the podcast. And I have one here. Jules, oh, would you like to hear please, it? Please, Ryan. This is a review from Kellyanne in New Zealand. Who <gasps> Hi, says, Kellyanne. Ryan and, <laughs> you know Kellyanne. Ryan and Jules give great reviews on a whole bunch of different TV shows in pretty much every genre age. They're hilarious and awesome, and I would listen to them talk all day. Oh, Kellyanne. How nice is that, Kellyanne? Thank you so much. And um, you can leave nasty reviews too. Um, I, I have had a couple of listeners say threaten to do that, and I'm like, please bring it on. Tell us what you don't like, and then we will mock you mercilessly uh, for being right. wrong, obviously. So we would love to hear from you, whatever your opinion. <laughs> We're big enough to take now, it. If you're outside of Canada or the US or Australia, just um, send us a tweet at TV Chinwag and let us know you sent a review. Because... The stupid iTunes, you can't just look at reviews for the world. You have to actually change to that country and then look up the show and then look up the reviews. So I, I won't be able to keep up with all of them. So just let me know if you've left a review and I'll make sure I read it. Fucking Apple. That's all I can say. <laughs> and there goes that sponsorship. Come on. Mi there goes our sponsorship with the Apple yeah, Corporation. Come on down, Microsoft. We're open to your money. I'll even fake it and pretend I like Windows 8. Oh, by the way, do you know what? Here's something funny. I thought you just said fucking Apple like it was slang for fucking egg. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fucking egg. Fucking Apple. Fucking Apple. Everyone start using fucking Apple to mean something that's amazing. Fucking Apple. Actually, I mean. Yeah, fucking egg. Fucking Apple. <laughs> yes, it's a obscure Australian slang. Right, yes. Mate. <laughs> well, it's g'day from me. <laughs> yeah, I think that brings us to the end. What do you think? I, I think it is. So um, catch up on Mad Men. At least watch – I think Mad Men is a show you'll know if you get in, watch the first half dozen episodes in season one. You, you'll know if you want to go further with it. Um, it is a an whether you think it becomes soapier and, and less pointed in its look at the moors of the time as it goes on, possibly. Although they do get to come out to LA and that's just fascinating because it gives you that contrast of what the different cultures were like in, you know, the West Coast and the East Coast in in, um, in the US. And, and I think a lot of people forget that LA is really a new city. You know, they're coming from New York, which, you know, has been around since, you know, the country, were, you know, was settled by the, um, the, the English. And, you know, LA is a, a, a town that really only 
started in the 20s and 30s and, and you get that sense when they move out there and it's all sort of bright and um, really uh, modern compared to, and I mean that in the um, wanky theoretical artistic sense, compared to New York. And so that's quite exciting as time goes on. It's sometimes hard to watch as a woman because you keep thinking, oh, my God, how did they even live in those times? Um, thank God I live today. And then sometimes you think, oh, nothing has changed and it's really depressing. Um, but it is inspiring as well as uh, in terms of fashion. Please go out and buy a hat. <laughs> and take and take and take more LSD. There should be more acid taken. I think that's a, one of the take-home messages. Right, that seems like a good message. <laughs> Join us next week for episode twelve. Is it going to be? I think it will be, unless this is episode. No, this should be episode eleven. So episode twelve next week will be. We'll be reviewing the TV show Episodes and the TV show House of Lies. <gasps> so those are going to be two shows that no one's seen. I bet. Uh, yes, but. Certainly I can say one of them you should be watching. And we'll see what you have to say about the next one next week. Thanks so much, Jules. Thank you, Ryan. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.